Good morning, village. If you can find a seat. If you have your Bibles with you, which I hope that you do, but if you don't, there's some in the seats in front of you. Uh, In the seats that don't have anything in the pocket, those ones have Bibles in them. If you don't have a Bible at home, that's our gift to you, so please feel free to take that home with you. Uh, Turn in your Bible to Daniel chapter 6. Daniel chapter 6. I'm going to steal a a page from Pastor Andrew's book and just read through the whole thing ahead of time. Gives us a whole picture of what's going to happen in this passage so that we can properly understand it as we parse it apart in a little bit. Daniel chapter 6. It pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 satraps to be throughout the whole kingdom, and over them three high officials of whom Daniel was one, to whom these satraps should give account so that the king might suffer no loss. Then this Daniel became distinguished above all the other high officials and satraps because an excellent spirit was in him. The king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. Then the high officials and the satraps sought to find a ground for complaint against Daniel with regard to the kingdom. But they could find no ground for complaint or any fault because he was faithful. No error was or fault was found in him. And these men said... We shall not find any ground for complaint against this Daniel unless we find it in connection with the law of God. Then these high officials and satraps came by agreement to the king and said to him, O King Darius, live forever. All the high officials of the kingdom, the prefects and the satraps, all counselors and the governors are agreed that the king should establish an ordinance and enforce an injunction that whoever makes petition to any god or man for 30 days, except to you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions. Now, O king, establish the injunction and sign the document so that it cannot be changed according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be revoked. Therefore, King Darius signed the document and the injunction. When Daniel knew that the document had been signed, he went to his house where he had windows in his upper chamber open toward Jerusalem. He got down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he had done previously. Then these men came by agreement and found Daniel making petition and plea before his God. Then they came near and said before the king concerning the injunction, O king, did you not sign an injunction that anyone who makes petition to any god or man within 30 days except you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions? The king answered and said, The thing stands fast according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be revoked. Then they answered and said before the king, Daniel, who is one of the exiles from Judah, pays no attention to you, O king, or the injunction you have signed, but makes his petition three times a day. Then the king, when he heard these words, was much distressed and set his mind to deliver Daniel. He labored till the sun went down to rescue him. Then these men came by agreement to the king and said to the king, Know, O king, that it is the law of the Medes and the Persians, that no injunction or ordinance that the king establishes can be changed. Then the king commanded, and Daniel was brought and cast into the den of lions. The king declared to Daniel, May your God, whom you serve continually, deliver you. The stone was brought and laid on the mouth of the den. The king sealed it with his own signet, with the signet of his lords, that nothing might be changed concerning Daniel. Then the king went to his palace and spent the night fasting. No diversions were brought to him, and sleep fled him. 
Then at break of day, the king arose and went in haste to the den of lions. As he came near to the den where Daniel was, he cried out in a tone of anguish. The king declared to Daniel, O Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God whom you serve continually been able to deliver you from the lions? Then Daniel said to the king, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel and shut the lions' mouths. They have not harmed me because I was found blameless before him. And also before you, O king, I have done no harm. Then the king was exceedingly glad and commanded that Daniel be taken up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den. No kind of harm was found on him because he had trusted in his God. The king commanded and those men who had maliciously accused Daniel were brought and cast into the den of lions. They, their children, and their wives. And before they reached the bottom of the den, lions overpowered them broke all their bones in pieces. Then King Darius wrote to all the peoples, nations, and languages that dwell on all the earth, Peace be multiplied to you. I make a decree that in all my royal dominion people are to tremble and fear before the God of Daniel. For he is the living God, enduring forever. His kingdom shall never be destroyed. His dominion shall be to the end. He delivers and rescues. He works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth. He who has saved Daniel from the power of the lions. So this Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus, the Persian. Let's pray. Lord, you are the living God. You endure forever. Your dominion has no end. We give you praise for that, Lord. We are privileged to know you. And so, Holy Spirit, I pray that as you indwell the believers in this room, that you would convict those this morning that need conviction, that you would encourage those that need encouragement, that you would cause people to forget words that I say that are not from you, and that you would instill your word deep in people's hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Daniel chapter 6, famously called Daniel in the lion's den. I have a fear, and, and this is a fear that I have, uh, especially teaching the youth. I work primarily with the high school group. Uh, and, and teach Thursday nights, which is our midweek youth service. Uh, I have a fear that we come to Bible stories and the familiarity of it makes us tune it out. And, and so Daniel Lyons then is a story, if you've spent uh, any amount of time in the church, you've probably heard before. And so you probably come to this text and think, I know this story, I know how it ends. I'm going to start thinking about what I'm having for lunch or what football game is going on or whatever else it may be. My plea to you is that you pay attention this morning, uh, that you allow the Holy Spirit to work, and you notice these details that maybe you didn't notice before. Things like Darius making decrees, uh, things like Darius giving God glory, the God of Daniel. Uh, notice God's provision. And notice even things like Daniel is not a young man. He's not a teenager. He's 80. Uh, Pay attention this morning. It's my plea and, and urge to you. We're coming to the end of this narratival section in the book of Daniel. Uh, from this point forward, we're going to be looking at a lot more prophecies and, and, and future events that will be prophesied through the person of Daniel. We've seen this before, uh, something similar to this before. In fact, if you think back to Daniel 3, uh, Daniel refused to bow down to an idol. And he and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were, were thrown into the fiery furnace. Obvious ties here, obvious connections. This is a new ruler. This is Darius. And 
and this is not an occasion where Daniel will not commit a sin, but rather it's a duty that he will not omit. Meaning Daniel's not going to willingly go and sin against his God, but rather the duty, the thing that he's been doing, that he's been praying to God, he's not going to change his habit. He's going to keep doing that uh, as worship to his God. By continuing a lifelong priority on worship, Daniel will come up against a new law of the land. Also note similarities between Daniel and Esther here. Maybe you caught on to that in the story. Esther, there was a plot against Mordecai, and and Haman was the one who devised the plot, and Haman was the one who was hanged. We went through Esther somewhat recently. Uh, Notice the the, the similarities here that um, people are trying to get a righteous person in trouble for something that they didn't do wrong. And notice how God delivers in both occasions. All right, no more spoilers. Let's dive right into the scripture. Let me read verses 1 through 5 again. Please Darius to set over the kingdom 120 satraps to be throughout the whole kingdom, and over them three high officials of whom Daniel was one, to whom these satraps should give account, so the king might suffer no loss. Then this Daniel became distinguished above all the other high officials and satraps because an excellent spirit was in him. The king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. Then the high officials and the satraps sought to find a ground for complaint against Daniel with regard to the kingdom. But they could find no ground for complaint or any fault because he was faithful and no error or fault was found in him. Then these men said, we shall not find any ground for complaint against this Daniel unless we find it in connection with the law of God. Point number one there in your notes. Daniel's integrity necessitates an attack on his faith. So the setting is given. Darius comes into power over this new kingdom. We saw last week Belshazzar loses the kingdom. The writing was on the wall that Pastor Andrew taught on. Loses the kingdom. Darius comes in and he appoints 120 satraps. And uh, these satraps would essentially be glorified tax collectors. They were over different regions in the kingdom. They would receive taxes, and uh, people were placed over these satraps, these high officials, and, and the text says Daniel was one of them, uh, because the king didn't want to suffer any loss, meaning he didn't want to lose any of the taxes that were coming in. Everything needed to be accounted for. Notice immediately the difference between recognition of Daniel by Belshazzar and by Darius. So last week, Belshazzar had completely ignored Daniel, didn't really remember who he was, and the queen mother had to come in and say, oh, there's this guy, Daniel. Meanwhile, Darius comes in, and and maybe he's heard the story of the writing on the wall. I'd imagine he would have by now. Uh, And he places Daniel in this position of authority. He's one of the high officials, the one who the satraps come to. And it says that Darius had planned to, to place Daniel over the whole kingdom, that his intention was to give Daniel even more authority than he already had. So Daniel is set apart by no coincidence, by the way, he's set apart from the others. It's God's intentionality placing Daniel in the right place. Darius thought very highly of Daniel. And you can see through the text that I read through that Darius considers Daniel a friend. considers him a friend. And this stirred up much jealousy among the other rulers, among the other satraps. So they had to devise a plan. They were like, let's get this guy out of here. Uh, do whatever we can to get him out of here. Because he's getting more authority and more power, and they wanted that power and that authority. They're jealous over an 80-year-old man. 
the power and authority that this guy is receiving. I find it interesting that they, they look for grounds against him. They are investigating. I, I think maybe a dozen people or more are, are in on this thing. Uh, they're, they're looking at everything Daniel does. When he receives money, what he's over, uh, his, his exercising his rule, what he does in his house, apparently. And they can't find a fault. And so the people turn, these rulers turn, and they say, we're not going to find a fault with him unless it's in connection with his God. That they studied Daniel so closely that they were to the point where they said, the only thing that might be wrong with him is that he keeps worshiping his God constantly. That's integrity. He wasn't caught up in human affairs. He wasn't caught up in, in the politics of this thing. He was faithful to his job. He did what he was supposed to do. And more importantly, he was faithful to his God. Daniel was so known for his reverence of God that the others knew that if they were to trap him, it must be in connection to the Almighty God. The scene is set. Daniel has proven to be a faithful worshiper. So that they could find no complaint or fault. There was no ground for it because he was faithful. No error or fault was found in him. So their issue with him was simply that he had more authority and more power than they did. Daniel's integrity necessitates this attack on his faith. His faith in God. And to continue on, point number two, Daniel remains faithful to his God despite the perceived cost. Daniel remains faithful to his God despite the perceived cost. Then these high officials and satraps came by agreement to the king and said to him, O King Darius, live forever. All the high officials, all of them, of the kingdom, the prefects and the satraps and the counselors and the governors are agreed that the king should establish an ordinance and enforce an injunction that whoever makes petition to any god or man for 30 days except to you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions. Now, O king, establish the injunction and sign the document so that it cannot be changed according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be revoked. Therefore, King Darius signed the document and injunction. When Daniel knew the document had been signed, he went to his house, where he had windows in the upper chamber, open toward Jerusalem. He got down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God, he had, as he had done previously. Then these men came by agreement and found Daniel making a petition and plea before his God. And they came near and said before the king concerning the injunction, O king, did you not sign an injunction that anyone who makes petition to any god or man within 30 days except to you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions? The king answered and said, This thing stands according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be revoked. Then they answered and said before the king, Daniel who is one of the exiles from Judah, pays no attention to you, O king, or the injunction you have signed, but makes his petition three times a day. It's important to have that context that Darius is this new ruler. He, he, he's coming into power, and, and he needs people to be subject to him. He, he needs them to see his authority. And he's presented with this opportunity where, in his mind, it's a political gain. People will have to come to him. He will be given this new authority. So he... 
he signs this injunction to create allegiance and to show his power. Obviously having been manipulated by the satraps and the officials. Their exaggeration that all the high officials and all the satraps agree to this is an obvious exaggeration. The king would have known it. It's not a fault. It's it's simply a saying. There's no way they would have gone to all the satrapies and and, and gotten all those people to approve. Uh, It's simply a, a phrase in this case. However, it is manipulated. The order dictates, interestingly, that if anybody wanted to make a petition to a god or man, that they should be thrown into the den of lions, except if it's to the king. And at first glance, you read this and you're thinking, do people pray to men? Which is a good question. Uh, in this case, the men being mentioned were simply priests. Priests of, uh, of other religions or uh, people would go to them and the priests would on their behalf pray to God. And so this ordinance puts Darius as the only priest in the land that people would have to go to Darius in order to get to the gods or God. And the, the punishment is that they'd be thrown into this den of lions. Now, the Persians famously have tremendous methods of execution. Uh, one of the uh, commentators said that their methods of execution are, quote, glorious, meaning that they are extremely excessive at times. This, this occasion has a den of lions as this method of execution, um, which, which was used. Uh, uh, some people theorize that the den of lions was often kept by kings, and in this case Darius, as a means of something that they could hunt. So you'll notice it has two openings, one at the top and one at the side. They'd remove the side opening and release them, and the king would hunt um, lions, trophy hunting. The law of the Medes and Persians, which cannot be revoked. Did you notice it's, it's already mentioned twice here? The law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be revoked. Uh, the, the author is, is playing this ironic statement because at the end, Darius is going to release a new law. He's going to release a new decree, which cannot be revoked. And it's going to be hinted at, but he's not going to say it explicitly at the end. But having said this three or four times here, you're going to think, oh, the decree of the, creeds and, uh, the Medes and the Persians cannot be revoked. And then you'll notice what he says about Daniel's God. And the implied nature of it is it cannot be revoked. Darius signs a document. He signs it. We'll gain him power. We'll gain him allegiance. So he signs it. As soon as the document's signed, Daniel, one of the high officials, knows he's been framed. And knowing he's been framed, he doesn't cower and be like, oh no, what am I going to do? He's already resolved in his mind. He knows what he's going to do. He goes to his house, kneels down, prays with the window facing Jerusalem, as he does three times a day, every day, continues this duty. He will not omit his duty. It's likely not a secret to Daniel that the other satraps and officials had been watching him. It's kind of hard to devise this scheme like this and not tip somebody off. Daniel knows. He knows he's been framed. He goes to that place and he obediently submits to his God. It's interesting because in this moment, 
where many of us might feel distressed, says that Daniel gives thanks. He gives thanks to his God. He got down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God there in verse 10, as he had done previously. His God is living. His God is worthy to be praised. He gives him thanks. Obediently continued his commitment to God and to God first. As expected, the satraps and the officials run over to Daniel's house and they notice, there he is, fell right into our trap. He's praying to his God. The same thing that he, they, they made the decree about, they now catch Daniel, disobeying the decree of Darius, the one who signed it. Satraps, the officials run back to the king. Didn't you sign an injunction, they say to him? To anyone who makes a petition to any god or man except to you, O king, shall be thrown into the den of lions. And notice how they talk about Daniel. I don't know if you caught on to that. Daniel is one of the high officials. This is now his, his third king in this area. Uh, and, and he's a high official, about to be placed over the whole kingdom, is what the narrator said at the beginning. And, and the people, the, these high officials and satraps, come in and they say, O king... Um, Daniel, who's one of the exiles from Judah, not one of the high officials, one of the exiles from Judah, some racism in there, pays no attention to you, O king. He pays no attention to you, O king. And their sweet talking does not get through to the king. You'll notice in the next section, the king loves Daniel. Daniel served him faithfully. Daniel served his God faithfully. They could, not, they could find no fault in him. He was blameless before the king. He did his job right, and he did his job well. One of the exiles from Judah, implicitly, not one of us. He's not like me and you, Darius. They even frame it in a way to tick the king off. They they think that they're playing into the king's hands by saying, King, you're going to get power, you're going to get allegiance. The people are going to submit to you, they're going to love you. And then they say, he pays no attention to you, O king. He pays no attention to you. He doesn't care about your laws. He doesn't care about your decrees. The story continues in verses 14 through 18. Point number three, the distressed king hopes for deliverance. The distressed king hopes for deliverance. Then the king, when he heard these words, was much distressed and set his mind to deliver Daniel. He labored till the sun went down to rescue him. Then these men came by agreement to the king and said to the king, Know, O king, that it is the law of the Medes and the Persians that no injunction or ordinance that the king establishes can be changed. Then the king commanded. Daniel was brought and cast into the den of lions. The king declared, to Daniel, may your God, whom you serve continually, deliver you. A stone was brought and laid on the mouth of the den, and the king scaled it with his own signet, with the signet of his lords, that nothing might be changed concerning Daniel. Then the king went to his palace and spent the night fasting. No diversions were brought to him, and sleep fled from him. Notice in this that Darius does not interpret this as Daniel going against him. 
Darius' interpretation of this isn't that Daniel's trying to overthrow the government or overthrow the ruler. He sees it as Daniel serving his God. And that's, that's there in his response to Daniel. Your God whom you serve continually, may he deliver you. At no point is Darius ticked off at Daniel here. He sees Daniel's submission to his God, his faithful service. He has no fault or blame to find in Daniel. And because he hears that Daniel's going to be one of the victims here of this new decree and realizes probably in this moment, that's what the decree was for. He's distressed. He's distressed. And it says he spends the afternoon searching the books, trying to figure out in the laws, is there any way where Daniel doesn't need to be thrown into the den of lions? Is there any way to reverse this decree? He set his mind to deliver Daniel, and he labored till the sun went down to rescue him. Why? The decree must be executed before sunset, before the day's over. It's likely they found Daniel praying at noon, and they went to the king immediately. The king searches. He tries to find a way to deliver Daniel from the pit. The man cannot find a way. He couldn't revoke his law. Even though it was his law and it was his decree that he signed, he looked for a loophole. Searched diligently. Sunset approaches. The satraps and the officials enter in the king's room. Probably a little bit gloating a little bit proud of themselves for having achieved what they wanted, and maybe the king will notice them now and give them a higher position. And say, no, O king, it is the law of the Persians and the Medes that no injunction or ordinance the king establishes can be changed. Do you think the king doesn't know that? He just spent the whole afternoon searching for a loophole, and they come in to remind him, remember that thing you signed? It can't be revoked. The king was already distressed, and he hears this news, and he probably becomes even more distressed and maybe a little bit angry. Commands that Daniel gets brought to him. Puts Daniel in the den of lions. He says, Daniel, may your God, whom you serve, continually deliver you. The king recognizes Daniel's faithful service to his God. Although the king might not worship the same God, he knows something is different about Daniel and his worship. Why is Daniel so faithful? Continually serves. Even even in this law like this, where people are going to try to save their own hide instead of continuing to worship their God, Daniel is the one that breaks it. The king says, May your God whom you serve continually deliver you. And you, you can even notice... The, the king is restless. He's so distressed over this situation that he has no food brought to him. Sun goes down, and he spends the night sleepless, thinking about his friend Daniel in that pit of lions. It says that he fasts. And, and this fasting, it, it might not be the same as we see fasting. Oftentimes in ancient culture, fasting was simply a, a view of outward sadness, outward turmoil what was happening inside, they were showing on the outside. The king spends a night like this. Let me back up a little bit to Daniel's response. Notice notice that Daniel's actions don't get Daniel praise. 
Notice that Daniel's actions give God glory. Give God praise. May your God deliver you. May your God deliver you. And that's going to happen again later on. The king was seriously saddened. Weighed on him. He couldn't sleep. Couldn't eat. Point number four. Daniel's faith results in God's exaltation. Then at the break of day, the king arose and went in haste to the den of lions. And he came, as he came near to the den where Daniel was, he cried out in a tone of anguish. The king declared to Daniel, O Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to deliver you from the den of lions? Then Daniel said to the king, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel, shut the lions' mouths. And they have not harmed me because I was found blameless before him and also before you. O king, I have done no harm. Then the king was exceedingly glad, commanded that Daniel be taken up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den, and no kind of harm was found on him because he had trusted in his God. And the king commanded, and those men who had maliciously accused Daniel were brought and cast into the den of lions. They had their children and their wives. Before they reached the bottom of the den, the lions overpowered them and broke all their bones into pieces. King Darius wrote to all the peoples, all nations, languages that dwell on the earth, Peace be multiplied to you. I make a decree that in my royal dominion people are to tremble and fear before the God of Daniel. For he is the living God, enduring forever. His kingdom shall never be destroyed. His dominion shall be to the end. He delivers and rescues. He works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth. He who has saved Daniel from the power of the lions... So this Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus the Persian. You'll notice as daylight comes, the king immediately goes. When daylight comes, it means that they can go and check uh, the den of lions. And oftentimes, uh, if, if the person hadn't actually been executed through the means of execution, it means they were blameless, meaning that they, they weren't wrong. Um, as Charles Barkley would say, ball don't lie. It means they weren't wrong. It means they were right. Believe that the man who had been sent to be killed, if he was alive, that he could be released. Darius hoped for that. And so immediately as day breaks, he goes with haste as fast as he can straight to the den. And he calls out in this tone of anguish. It had kept him up all night. He hadn't been able to eat. He hadn't been able to sleep. And he calls out, Oh, Daniel, does the God whom you serve continuously the living God was he able to deliver you Daniel describes in 21a through 22 how God delivered him he sent his angel he shut the lion's mouths and they have not harmed me because I was found blameless before him and before you O king I have done no harm what Darius had hoped for God delivered an angel ministers to Daniel, and the angel shuts the mouths of these lions through God's power. Daniel saying that he was found blameless does not mean that Daniel thought that he was a perfect man. It means that Daniel knew that he wasn't wrong in what he did. The king is described as exceedingly glad. The king never wanted this to be a, a means of execution for Daniel, his friend. And he hears of this, this miracle that has happened, that the, the lions did not eat Daniel, but that God delivered him. 
it says, interestingly, the narrator inserts this phrase, no harm was found on him. And the narrator says, because he had trusted in his God. Because he had trusted in his God. Daniel remained faithful. Even in the den of lions, remained faithful. Daniel's faith resulted in deliverance. Just like in the book of Esther, those who had accused Daniel get what's coming to him. If there's any question in your mind about whether maybe the lions are just tired or they weren't hungry, they're ready to eat. It says that the, the officials and their wives and their children were all thrown in there, and before their bodies could hit the floor, their bones were all broken into pieces, and they got eaten by the lions, which they would interpret as they were at fault. They were not blameless. Guilty parties were devoured, and Darius makes a decree, which according to the law and the Medes and the Persians cannot be revoked. It's not said explicitly, but it's implied here. I just love the beautiful poem here and the way that he describes Daniel's God and the accuracy with which he describes Daniel's God because he's experienced it. He's seen this. For he is the living God. He's the God who's alive. He's not a passive God who's not active in lives. He's the living God. Enduring forever. His kingdom shall never be destroyed. And his dominion shall be to the end. Daniel's God, the living God, has a kingdom that will not end. Opposite of Nebuchadnezzar, Darius notices immediately, this is the one who's in charge. This is the one who's in charge. He delivers and he rescues. He works signs and wonders, which again, Darius had noticed firsthand. Why was Daniel not eaten by the den of lions? In heaven and on earth, he who has saved Daniel from the power of the lions. It's a living God. He delivers and he rescues. And that has been true about God for all time. It's the most beautiful thing that God has done for us is to offer us salvation, deliverance, and rescue. As he did with Daniel in the den of lions on a small occasion, he does with us through the work of his son Jesus on that cross. He is living, he delivers, and he rescues. Daniel prospers during the reign of Darius. Why? Because he was faithful to his God, the living God. As the narrator had in, inserted in there, because he had trusted in his God. Daniel prospers. Let me walk through a few points by means of application here. Number one goes off of point one. Remember, Daniel's integrity necessitates an attack on his faith. Is your faith worth being attacked? Is your faith worth being attacked? Are you a person of integrity? 
who people, if they were looking for fault in you, would say, just serve their God continually. If we're going to have to find fault with them, we're going to have to find fault with that. Furthermore, if you were attacked in your faith, would you stand firm? Or would you waver? Your faith isn't something that is secure. Your anchor and your hope is secure. If you believe in Jesus, if you have faith in God, it's secure. He is the living God. Just as he delivered Daniel, he delivers us. Just as Daniel had faith in his God, and so God rescued him, and God was seen as the living God, and God was glorified, will that happen through you? Furthermore, what is your faith in? What is your faith in? By faith, I mean, I mean confident assurance, belief in something. Is your faith in family? Is your faith in friends? Is your faith in a political party? Is it in a relationship? Or is it in the living God? The one who is able to deliver? Because only one of those is worth your allegiance. Uh, Number two, Daniel remained faithful to God despite his perceived cost. When pressed, the moment comes and you have to stand firm for God. Will you sacrifice your faith in God or will you sacrifice your comfort? And let me be honest, it might not be as dramatic as Daniel's story. (laughs) It's probably not going to be that people are out to get you and are watching you pray and are like, oh, he prayed. I pray that that's not in our lifetime. Maybe it's those moments at work or at school. People are talking about what they believe in and they ask, what do you believe in? Who do you believe in? Even in those small moments Your God is the living God. God is worthy. He is almighty. He is able to deliver. He is able to rescue. He is the living God. Are you going to continue to follow him when things get hard? Or are you going to try to figure out a way to solve it on your own? Finally, Daniel's faith results in God's exaltation. And, And this is the the huge point, the major point of the story is who God is. Not Daniel's faithfulness, but God's power and his ability, his, his dominion over all things. Darius, he writes this decree to what he says, all peoples, languages, nations on the earth under his dominion. Darius had seen himself as being in, in control of the whole world. And God way overshadowed Darius. The biggest understatement of the day. He's the living God, the one who delivers Daniel. His his kingdom shall never be destroyed. He endures forever. In those moments when you're faithful, pray that they're not few and far between. Are you glad that God is exalted? Or are you glad that you're seen as being faithful, that you are praised? Daniel lives life for the exaltation of God. It happens through him. It happens through him. Let me read for you 
Romans 11, 36 to 12, 1. Apostle Paul says this to the church in Rome, For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is is your spiritual act of worship. Because from him and through him and to him are all things, to him be the glory forever. Amen. Your duty which you will not omit, is to offer your body as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. Complete surrender. He is the living God. Let me read for you that poem there at the end one last time. For he is the living God, enduring forever. His kingdom shall never be destroyed. and His dominion shall be to the end. He delivers and rescues. He works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth. He who has saved Daniel from the power of the lions. We're going to go into a time of communion. If you didn't grab one of these on your way in, if you can grab one, there's two tables in the back. This has our juice and our wafer on the top. I believe if you're in the gym, they're toward the back by the gym doors. I'm going to have the worship team come up and sing a song by means of reflection. Paul encourages people to to inspect themselves. And so I would encourage you to do that as well before you take communion. Inspect yourselves, confess any sin to God before we take the elements. Lord God, we know that you are the living God the living God who died for our sins and rose again and is alive forevermore. We give you praise and glory for that, Lord. Help us to be faithful because you are worthy. In Jesus' name, amen.